Psalm 84, as Robert read this morning, would you allow me one more time to saturate our mind with the Word of God? Psalm 84, to the choir master according to the Giddith, a psalm of the sons of Korah. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young at your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. Blessed are those who, whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. O God, O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Behold our shield, O God. Look on the face of your anointed. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God, then dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a, a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blesses the one who trusts in you. At a first reading, or even second, that you would think that this psalm is too much of Old Testament. It's about basically deep longing for the temple, to be in the temple of God. But if you read and meditate, reflect and chew on it, and more and more, this has a jewel of wisdom for the New Testament believers like you and me. So before we jump into and delve into the text ourselves, let's make some preliminary observations about this psalm. This will help us. Number one, it is a song set to be sung on the Giddith by the sons of Korah, who are the temple doorkeepers or janitors. Giddith is eight-string instrument. It's almost like a modern-day guitar. And Psalm 8, How Majestic Is Your Name, that song was written to and on to be sung on the Giddith as well. Because sons of Korah were designated doorkeepers, and if you read other psalms, and there's some head subheadings 
uh, Asaphs. The sons of Asaph, they're the instrumentalist. So they have a little more prestige, musicians. But sons of Korah is basically janitors. They do menial works, clean up the temple, and they keep the door, they're the doorkeepers basically too. So, um, the theologian and the pastor, like you know James Montgomery, voice, basically said, I think he titled the message, his sermon, um, "Psalm of Janitors." This is a janitor's song, in other words. Second observation: It is a psalm. With diverse, I meant to say it is a unique psalm with diverse genres. Unlike a typical lament or praise or prayer, this psalm, only 12 verses, contains so many genres. It's a lament, it's a praise, it's a hymn, it's a, it's a prayer, it's a declaration of faith. It is individual psalm and it, as well as a communal psalm. And there's a reason for that. Number, I'll share that in a minute. Number three observation, it is divided into nicely for us, three parts marked by Selah. Probably Hebrew pronunciation is close to that, but most uh, English translation uh, pronunciation will be sila. There are a lot of uh, the babies are named sila. Oh, we do have a sela as well too. At the end of each section, sela is basically means pause and think, pause and reflect. So the reason why I didn't read the word sela is because it's a in a way it's a musical note. So scholars would think that uh, the first stanza ends and then there's a, a pause and people think and you know, meditate and they will read the, to sing the second part again and third part again. But not all the psalms are like this. So nicely divided into three parts. And lastly, it is a wisdom psalm that reveals pathways that lead to a blessed life. Three selahs, right? Each three sections have another word, blessed. Like Beatitudes of Jesus and Sermon on the Mount starts with blessed are those. And this is um, another way of providing wisdom. This is a way to bless life. This is a blessing of God. And let me instruct you, you know, in a way that Israelites use that. Sons of Korah will sing that as an instruction to the people of God. So, we know this much. Every one of us, every single person in this room, of course, desires blessing. And not only one-time blessing, but a way of life that 
as constant flow of blessing. And going forward in few days, can you believe it's going to be 2014? How will we will we conclude this year as we are ushered into the new year? What wisdom should we have? And this psalm basically provides three pathways. Take these pathways and it will lead you to a blessed life. And may God and Holy Spirit imprint those wisdom in our hearts for the coming year. Here's the first one. Pathway number one that leads to a blessed life is dwelling in the presence of God with longing. Verse 1, How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Let me stop here, say something here. As I mentioned in the beginning of the series, the psalm is a reflection of the says and godly that helps us our humanity side of it. Unlike the uh, priest proclaiming and revealing God's word to us, or the priest representing on behalf of other people of God, to God. So, some wisdom literature has a lot to do with sharing human, human feelings, whether you are doing well emotionally, and you, whether you experience a lot of success and, and struggles and afflictions. You could find the emotions that matches you. That's the beauty of it. So, as he's expounding the wisdom for blessed life, hear the emotion. That part is even sometimes more important than the actual teaching part, the wisdom part. What do you hear? The words like longing and faints, and flesh sings for joy. We're talking about intensity and excitement. Not a religious duty. Dutiful religiosity leads us to the deadness of our soul. But the communing with living God leads us this kind of emotions. Let me go on. Number verse three. Even the sparrow finds a home and the swallow. A nest for herself where she may lay her young at your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. As I mentioned, the psalm itself contextually means for the people of Israel. They were required 
Um, each year, through about three or four times a year, uh, traveled and journeyed to the Jerusalem, where the God's temple, and then because of dwelling place of God, uh, Jerusalem is also called, often called in this case also to Zion, city of God, presence and ruling of God. So, this is an encouragement for the travelers. Long, I long to be there. He, he, this person sounds like he, have, have, he has experienced it. And by the way, because of uh, Charles, Charles Spurgeon and some other, uh, some other theologians also too, would predict that this is a David, and some other degree, disagree, but has a lot of David feel to it. Spurgeon says that he could smell David's perfume in this psalm. And he concludes that this is David. I'm not sure. And, but the important thing is the fact that we get this passion, joy, and behind it. The question this morning is not that we ought to have passion and longing to be the to be at church all the time. Although that's a really great idea. Because a better is one day with the presence of God than a thousand elsewhere. What better way to spend Sunday morning, the Lord's Day morning, without legalism though, with joy, But New Testament believers have no significant physical, external place that is set apart as the presence of God. There is no temple. Actually, the Apostle Paul says, you are the temple of God. Don't you know, Holy Spirit, God, the third person, resides in you. So we are the temple of God. The place that we, 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 we have, some of the... Um, Evangelical churches still carry the notion that this is holy place and temple of uh, God's house. You shouldn't run around to the kids who would say, in God's house. The noble intention is good, but this place is a place that we redeem the place by having worship together, corporate worship. But this happened to be just a building. Whether we make it nice in a stained glasses or not, the Old Testament concept is an old covenant. The new covenant is God resides within us. So, what does that mean then? For us, it means God's presence in our own life. By faith, we commune with him, connect with him, and that we, we enjoy the same effect. And I think it's much more convenient because you don't have to go to a certain place or you don't have to go to Jerusalem, Israel. Here, the longing part. 
The longing comes from his own experiences. And he mentioned sparrow and swallow. These are very common birds. Sparrow is known, uh, Jesus was, had actually used it as an illustration for insignificance or low value. I mean, in your life. Swallow is uh, one of the most active birds. You don't really swallow, see swallow just resting nicely. But in his temple, in God's temple, even the sparrows and swallows find rest and belonging as home. Home, in that sense, it's not a physical place either, right? Do you have that? Oh, one, one, one truth. If you belong to Christ, if you are... Christ follower, if you have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior by grace and through faith, every single one of you, including me, have God's presence within us. But it's another thing that God is there, but can be neglected, ignored, that we don't commune with him by faith, only activated by faith, we could experience this kind of life. And the blessed life, the pathway is we choose to dwell in God's presence. And even on Sunday, it is a great idea to come to church and worship. But still activated by by faith means that our heart is surrendered and we seek to connect with him, long for him. David in Psalm 27 mentions this or actually declares ultimate confession. One thing have I asked of the Lord. He doesn't say Ten things, not top ten things. No, not even five things. Not even three things. One thing. I might lose everything. I might, I might not have all these things. But I've got to have one thing. One thing have I asked of the Lord. And that I will seek after. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Once again, literally he means being at his temple and, and to, to engage with God in a certain place. House of God. In Tevinical. But for us, it doesn't mean finding a special place to go. Like a typical religious Catholics will go some kind of a religious looking building and you sit there and feel some religiosity there. No, that's not it. We connect with our heart, with God, through scripture and prayer, through silence and solitude. And as I might as well um, include this corporate com communal 
lest we become so individualistic in our culture and our worship will be, our, our communion with God will be individualistic that way also too. It is also the coming together. With the people of God and worshiping God. This is the first pathway. And you ask, so what's the blessing if we take that pathway? If I choose to dwell and seek God's presence in my life with longing, not with duty, what would that be? What, what do I experience? The pathway leads us to the blessing of joyful vitality and rest in the living God. And spare of finding a nest, finds a home and swallow finding a nest. That also implies the belongingness, acceptance, affection, rest. And the psalmist's joy is evident. Why, why is he disexcited? Not because of duty, but because he has experienced God as exceeding joy. By the way, brothers and sisters, the spiritual direction for the Crossway Church for 2013 has been, still now, a few more days, Seeking God as our exceeding joy. And this is the ultimate pathway. Even in Christian churches, that God can be twisted, this pathway can be twisted, that God is the greatest, greatest means to your end. You want your happiness, you want your well-being, you want health, and you want your blessings in your family, then take God and God's way. He will give it to you. That's a selling for the second, second greatest things. Psalm 84, and along with the David, Psalm 27, presents God as the ultimate end, chief end of life. Can you say that? Can you say it to your, your, your spirit and say, I'd rather be in your presence one day than thousands elsewhere. Beautiful luxury hotel, five-star hotel, fully loaded And prepaid for a whole week or a thousand days there, then one day of connecting with God and communion. Don't feel guilty because if you haven't experienced the, the taste of goodness of God, you need to taste it. And little by little, you acquire the taste. But the reality of Tasting steaks or, or different music is neutral. It doesn't last. It, it's relative. People have a different preference. But 
we're talking about this joy and joyful vitality and rest is for eternity, for everyone, which starts right now. Second pathway. Seeking dependence and delight in God at all times. I'm just putting it out there first. So that will be some our application. But we need to think about the whole thing. And we're starting with verse 5 again. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. As they go through the valley of Beka, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. O Lord, God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Do you, do you notice that even the earlier part, there is intentional two contrasting names of God. O Lord, God of hosts. This is basically mighty, the, the general of uh, 10,000 armies, to host and that many. God, almighty God of many, powerful God, omnipotent, omniscient God. But he will also mention my king and my God. And even in this case, basically what the pathway is to instead of trusting in your own strength or your own resources or people in Old Testament days, it would be the horses, strong horses and chariots. In our days, it would be bank accounts and our our job or status where we live. I'm still young. I'm still smart. I could still make things happen. Instead of that, blessed are those who find, who have their strength in God. It is a dependence. Dependence on God rather than self-reliance. The, the, the phrase, that whose hearts are the highways of Zion. Remember John the Baptist saying, I am the voice. Who am I? I am the voice in the wilderness proclaiming, make ways, make highways for, for the coming Messiah, that he says, the anointed one. The highway has the implication of the God's ways or the kind of my imagination would be freeway. You could go without stopping because there's no curve and there's no, it's a straight lane also too. And then there's no obstacles on the road. When our heart is fixed on God and God's way, our chief end is God, the obstacles are not there. It's surrendered. And much of it is that God is holy, God the Holy Spirit is very 
comfortable and free to do what he wants to do within us. Because God will not force us. He waits until we obey. We surrender. That's why if we turn to New Testament, Ephesians 3, verse 14 through 19, Paul's second prayer for the Christians in Ephesus, actually that whole region, because this is a circulating letter, he prays for the same thing. Notice the relevance between today's passage and this New Testament passage. Verse 14, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and earth is maimed, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Jesus, know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Whose heart are the highways to Zion? Apostle Paul prays. What are the hindrances in your heart? So we all want to depend on God. We want, all want to delight in God. And so do we. But there are too many things. Sometimes the good things competing. The first place with God. Sometimes it's a, just blatantly bad habits that we need to kick. But oftentimes it is a subtlety of compromise and complacency that makes our road not highway to God, but a bunch of obstacles on the road. So what is the blessing? This pathway leads us to blessing of growing strength and abundant shalom given by God in all circumstances. Growing strength. By the this mean look at the phrase, don't you like that? Um, <clears throat> verse six, as they go as they go through the valley of Vaka and they make it um, a place of springs, the early rain also covers it with pools. In verse 7, they go from strength to strength. Usually, natural strength is that they go from strength to weakness. They go through full tank to empty tank. You go, you go with full force of your human might and effort and running out of options. Blessing is that you will experience second wind that is not from you, from God. And third wind 
Wouldn't that be awesome? An abundant shalom, or what I mean by valley of Baka, the scholars don't really know, they argue about this, but basically Baka has a connotation of weeping, tears. And some would say, basically, this is a valley, valley of dryness and desert. But we don't have to know exact meaning, the place of it. But it is apparent. Valley of Baca means in times of trouble and affliction. When you are so numb and going through a wilderness of just difficult trials. Or when you cannot stop weeping because of sadness and griefs in your heart. It is possible to experience the spring. And on top of that, there's an early rain over, also covers it with, pool, with pools. I mean, the constant supply. And Jesus said, if you know to the Samaritan woman who it was that to ask you, that you would probably... Ask him for the water, living water. What is he saying? In your valley, there is a river of water flowing. Holy Spirit is given to us. The New Testament believers that. But once again, every single one of us has the Holy Spirit if you are a Christ follower. But it is only activated by faith when you surrender yourself and then you experience early rain. Even the valley of Vaka, you could experience oasis. Oh, this one has an implication of, for others. As we are you know, supporting Janet and, and Taco, or even the people who are still going through their mom or dad, their cancer, and my brother who still has a PML and don't, don't have a solution for the financial income coming January, we could be not stingy, not like I, I am running out and I, I don't have anything else anymore, whether it's a financial or emotional or spiritual, that you could actually share. This is a blessing. But I need to mention this. There's a requirement for having strength in God. We need to first embrace our own weaknesses and brokenness. I'll be the first one to admit that 2013 has been one of the most difficult years of my life. I feel beaten. I feel weak. I see so many of my own failures. I could have done, I should have done, prepared for this trial for my brother better. And I, I'm the youngest one in the family. All of a sudden, if I did this, such, such things... I could be much more better to lead the family. 
in all the family gatherings now, I am the, the leader of all the functions, not only physically, function-wise, but emotionally, spiritually. I suddenly, I'm not ready for this. But I, I get joy and hope from, from this psalm. Because along with me, let me ask you this. Have you experienced failure this year? Have you experienced frustration with yourself? And you're totally messed up and broken. You, you just messed up big time. Here's the good news for you. As is Moses was ready because of failure, because of the wilderness, school of wilderness, now you are closer to readiness to be used by God, to be to experience supernatural power and strength of God. If you are so confident in your own strength and all your abilities and resources that you are not ready to be used by God. You're not ready to experience supernatural power of God that goes from strength to strength. Isn't that a good news? For those of us who want a second chance and hope and and I feel like I messed up in my previous ministry also too. As we are starting this humble church, I need to be reminded by the fact, and you need to be reminded by the fact, you are not done. God has never finished with you. God has a hope and plan and purpose and abundance of his shalom for you. You could be used by God in such a way that you can never imagine in your own strength. So in our parenting, in our marriage, in our work, in our friendships, in our, in our ministry with, with church, let's embrace our brokenness. Welcome God's Control, clearing the way, making highway for the work of God. Number three and final pathway is trusting in God for protection and provision with growing confidence. Verse 9, behold our shield, O God. By the way, this actually a little confusing if you say, behold our shield, O God. God, look at our shield. Sounds like it. No, our shield is God himself. Behold, our shield, O God. You are our shield. Look on the face of your anointed. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good things does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Did you notice this? As he's turning to God, spontaneously crying out, 
and asking supplication is just lifting up his supplication to God. At the same time, he's making confessions, public confessions, from his past experiences. God, I have experienced you protecting me before. You are our shield. God, you were so awesome. You're everything to me. Lord, you are a son. And Revelations, do you remember the passage? In that new, new world that there is no need for sun or moon because glory of God shines everywhere. So growing confidence. How do we get the growing confidence? By taking risks with God. Trusting. There's a faith element. If you know everything, there is no doubt, 100%, this will result in like an equation. That there is, that's not faith. But if you utilize your, your faith, it becomes like a muscle. The next time, you, your confidence grows a little more. Notice what he says. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. How does he know? Or is it just the information? Let me ask you. Do you believe that? No good thing does God withhold when, if, you walk uprightly before God. So we are to also grow in our confidence in God by trusting in Him. The two passages that I want to mention, one is about protection, the other one is about provision. Psalm 18 verse 2, this is also David, this God, His way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. He's a shield for all those who take refuge in him. The two things are there. He's crying out. He's confessing from his own experience and confidence and mingled together. Matthew 7, verse 11, Jesus saying, If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven Give good, good things to those they ask Him. Will God provide? Will God protect our family, our church? Yes. So I finally ask that, the last question that I ask, what is the blessing? This pathway leads us to the blessing of God's favor and honor along with his provision and protection as his beloved. Did you hear that? We're not, we're not just merely talking about protection and provision. Favor. God's favor. The mighty God has a special favor upon you. Grace. And he will give you honor. Glory. Grace and glory. 
has Christ Church, um, Crossway Church experienced favor and honor? I think so. So what kind of special favor uh, you know, can, can we even ask for from other people for meeting at this place? Especially the first four years of rent free. And just look around. Our leadership team uh, made some mistakes in making decisions. That's, that's why we have all these, the nice kids' room. And then it's, it's clean and nice paint. So we were so low-budgeted. We're not supposed to go over this budget. But because of some miscalculation and things, we doubled it. You guys didn't say anything, so thank you. But we are so glad that we did that. God's favor. And he continually honor us. Give us affirmation. And in your life as well. <clears throat> I think I said enough. I have so many things from this psalm more. But I need to stop here. Let me conclude with A.W. Tozer's quote. And this is one of the, the most powerful words that stirred my heart um, over the years. Uh, from <clears throat> the pursuit of God, Tozer writes, To have found God and, to, and still to pursue Him is the soul's paradox of love. Scorned indeed by the too easily satisfied religionist, but justified in happy experience by the children of the burning heart. O oh God, I have tasted thy goodness, and it has both satisfied me and made me thirsty for more. I am painfully conscious of my need for further grace. I am ashamed of my lack of desire, O God, the triune God. I want to want Thee. I long to be filled with longing. I thirst to be made more thirsty still. Show me Thy glory, I pray Thee, so that I may know Thee indeed. Begin in mercy a new work of love within me. Say to my soul, Rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. Then give me grace to rise and follow thee up. From this misty, lowly land where I have wandered so long. And my prayer for the for entire church and each one of you for the coming year is the same prayer for us. Of course, we could urge and encourage and even recommend strongly about coming solitude and silence a day. But if you do it, do it out of the duty, it just takes out the whole meaning of it. Would you pursue him, the one that you found, Already? And even the coming week, instead of waiting for until the silent, sol, sol, solitude and silence day, 
Kate and I did that and just giving each other space. Go take some time and go to, go to coffee house for two, three hours, just meeting and connecting with God and pursuing. You're going to come away having become thirstier for God. The more you turn to the cheap substitute, the thirst will be repressed as if it's not there anymore. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this wisdom psalm. Oh, how we long to to be able to say the same thing along with the psalmist. Yes, it is so much better to have one day in your presence and communion with you than 10,000 elsewhere. Would you teach us these pathways by grace and teach us to increase our faith and take risks and use our muscle of faith by obedience. And I pray for each one of us that this coming week that we would see the living God who lives within us. Revive us. Revive our church. Turn our hearts to outside who need Christ not out of duty, but because of our overflowing joy and vitality. We thank you for this, this year, 2013, and we look forward to your favor and honor in the coming year, 2014. And we pray all these things in the name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit. Amen.